Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. Not a suggestion, not a request, a command. A new command I give unto you. What is it? That you love one another as I have loved you. We hope you find this message encouraging. day and age in which we live and it's not just us it's not just here at this church it's not just here in southeast texas but right now the church i think is at a crossroads i think that that we have to in order for the church to survive and be what god wants it to be i think we've got to tie belief and behavior together completely For a lot of years, there was like, well, this is what I believe, and it really doesn't affect my life, okay? And right now, we're at a a, a crisis, in my opinion, of church attendance, not just here again. This is all across the United States. Fact is, if anything, we're behind the curve here. I've talked about it on Wednesday nights quite a bit. Uh, Church attendance, in general, is way, way, way down. Uh, what used to be considered a regular attender was somebody who attended Sunday morning, Sunday night, every week. And most of the time, Wednesday as well. Throw a few Wednesdays in there. Now, a regular attender is a person who attends Sunday morning church twice a month. That's a regular attender. So, in other words, basically, if you, if you take that as an average, as a median, as a, as a mean average then what that means is there's half as many people attending church as there used to be. Because if you had a church of 400 and everybody misses two Sundays in a month, your average is 200. You follow what I'm saying? And one of the, one of the questions that gets answered in, in this way is, if you no longer attend church, why do you not attend church anymore? 65%, this is a pretty recent survey, 65% of the people who said, I no longer attend church, why? Is because it's not relevant. In other words, here's belief way over here, and here's my behavior way over here. What I believe doesn't affect my behavior. My belief is irrelevant to my life. And I think we as Christians, as believers who are going out in this world, wanting to make a difference, if our belief doesn't affect our behavior, we're irrelevant. And uh, maybe I should, I, I thought about how I could get a soapbox. Maybe I could get over here and stand on this drum kit and, and uh, this could be my soapbox. I even thought about getting a box and writing soap on it. But this is my soapbox for today. And the thing that we've got to do is realize that we are the expression of the church to the world. For people who have never been to church, they're looking at us. And they're looking at us with a critical eye. They're actually looking at us with such a critical eye that they're wanting to justify their behavior by how we act. In other words... And I know this because I was there at one time. I was an adult that was not saved. And anybody that ever tried to talk to me about the Lord, I would, I would say, well, just look at this person. They go to church every Sunday, and I'm living better than they are. 
Amen? So they're looking at us with a critical eye. And the only way that we can make a difference in this world, the only way that we can do what we're supposed to do, is if we tie our belief and our behavior together in such a way that we don't even have to say anything for people to know that we believe in Christ. As I've, as I've asked the question many, many times, if someone was trying to convict Christians, would your life be enough circumstantial evidence to convict you as being a Christian? How I live, how I do my business, how I take care of my business and, and all that kind of stuff, the things that I do, the places I go, the stuff that I do, would it be enough to convict you circumstantially as a Christian without you having to say a word? If it doesn't, then we're not tying belief and behavior together. So how do we walk? That's what we're talking about. Number one, and we've talked about this. If you weren't here and you want to catch up on the sermons, you can go to our Facebook page, and Zach is very, very good about putting those up there. So all the sermons are up there so far, or will be soon. <laughs> he, was, he was about to correct me. We're, we're behind just a, a couple of weeks just to give him time to edit and things. Uh, but we're talking about our walk. Number one, walk in the newness of life. In other words, if we have given our heart and our life over to Jesus Christ, if we have accepted him as our Lord and our Savior, if our sins are forgiven, let's live like it. Amen? Let's, let's, as Paul says when he's talking about baptism, and if you've ever had me baptize, you probably heard me say under my breath, arise and walk in the newness of life. Because we are supposed to be changed. We are supposed to be different. I don't know about you, but whenever I came to know the Lord, it was a radical salvation for me. And you've heard me talk about it too many times, so I'm not going to go through it. My wife says yes. She said, you've told your testimony so much, there's probably people in the church that are giving it as their testimony. Because they feel like they were there. (laughs) But here's the deal. It changed me. It made me different. I wasn't who I used to be. Now, it's, there's also the process of time and living with the Lord and, and beginning to let him do things in us and letting the Holy Spirit mold and make us into something different. But it should be something that whenever we have an encounter with the Lord, we ought to be walking in the newness of life. And we ought to allow ourselves to forgive ourselves about stuff that we've done in the past. Don't let all that junk that you did hang you up. Amen? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you're saved, live like it. And forget about all that junk that you did in the past. There's a reason for a testimony, and that's because it's what used to be. Amen? And so we need to arise and walk in the newness of life. Number two, walk in the truth. What is truth? That was the question that Pilate asked Jesus. What is truth? Jesus told his disciples, he said, praying to the Father. And he says, Lord, sanctify them through truth, through your truth. And your word is truth. So in other words, if there is nothing else in this world that's true, this right here, what we call our Bible, the word of God, is the truth. It's the only thing that transcends all generations, all nations, all kinds of people. I mean, you think about it. Even what we call truth in this world changes. You remember at one time they said that the world was flat. And then somebody proved it was round. And now we're back to flat earth again. 
Amen. If you hadn't heard that argument, you've been living under a rock somewhere. And so that truth has has changed. It's flat. It's round. It's flat again. And so, I mean, hey, is there, if, if that's not truth, then what is truth? This word. And what he speaks to us transcends all generations, all time, about all things to all people. And so if there's nothing else that we're going to look at, and that's what I'm talking about, we need that concreteness in our belief so that we can let it change our behavior. Amen. I'm not going to re-preach this whole message. And my wife says, amen. She said, sometimes she gets on me and she says, you re-preach it all. I said, no, 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 I'm saying something different than I said before. I could, I could re-preach this message every Sunday for a month and, and could say something different about every point. Uh, number three, walk in the Spirit. He says that if we walk in the Spirit, we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We talked about that a week before last and a little bit last week. Number four, walk in faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes there are some things about our belief in God that we cannot see. We have to trust God and take his word as truth and walk in that. Amen? It tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, without faith it's impossible to please him. So there are some things that we just have to take God at his word. Fact is, very, very simplified from cover to cover in this book. The only thing that God is looking for is somebody that will take him at his word. Amen. Number five. We talked about this last week. Walk in wisdom. Uh, walk in wisdom. Colossians chapter four. Redeeming the time. In other words, knowing where we're at in the scheme of things. Psalm 104 says there is creative power in wisdom. If you lack wisdom, what do you need to do? That's what we talked about last week. If you lack knowledge, go to school. Read a book. Get on the internet and watch a YouTube video. Sometimes. <laughs> you can learn how to do all kinds of stuff. That's knowledge. But when to do it and how to do it is a totally different thing, and that's wisdom. And if you lack wisdom, James says it this way, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all men open-handedly. In other words, if you're lacking wisdom about a situation, get on your knees. Ask God for help. Ask him for wisdom. Ask him for discernment. Ask him for all that stuff. And then expect the answer to come. And it comes in various and sundry ways. And so we don't always know how it's going to be. For, for Daniel that we talked about last week, it came in a, in a night vision, a dream, if you will. So don't discount. Sometimes it, it amazes me, our society. If somebody speaks in tongues, everybody gets freaked out. If somebody gives a word of wisdom from the Lord, people get freaked out. If, if you talk about, I'm going to find out how my life's going to go and I'm going to call the 1-800 psychic line, everybody's like, yeah. Hello. <laughs> it amazes me. And, and see, here's the deal. God says in his word that he's going to speak to his people. Sometimes it does come by dreams. Sometimes it comes in the form of a vision. Sometimes it comes by reading this word and getting to know it and know what it's saying about your situation. Sometimes the Lord may speak through wise counsel, somebody that you know uh, in the Lord that speaks truth into your life. Regardless, though, we need that wisdom that only God can give. And then finally, and this is where we're going to finish up, number six, walk in love. 
sometimes we're not the most loving bunch. I was telling my wife, I listen to a plethora of podcasts, mostly about church leadership, but some interesting things to me. Um, but I picked up on this one, and it's, it's, uh, it's a, I, if I named it, some of you would probably know what it was. But it, it is the most hateful bunch of Christians I have ever met in my life. They can find something critical about everything out there. fact is, the new song, uh, Reckless Love. Zach, we, we've done that here, right? And, and they, were, they were just going off on this song about that makes God seem whimsical. And, and and reckless, and, and just you know, like he didn't really have a plan. And I'm like, are you kidding? Have you ever listened to the song? Are you crazy? He 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 put a bet on us. Amen. You think about it. Instead of him saying, "I'm going to handle this," he said, "Here, I'm going to put this in your hands. I'm going to entrust you with my church." Are you kidding? That was reckless. <laughs> and, and I just, anyway, it just amazes me how critical and how, I mean, they'll, they'll pick out some, somebody that probably some of us listen to and they'll just bash and bash and bash on. And I thought to myself, if you were a non-believer and you picked up on this podcast or a, a, a numerous other podcasts who are always bashing somebody else in the belief, I'm, I'm like, you, you would think we were, I mean, it's true. We are not a very loving bunch. Sometimes it's like we're a bunch of porcupines huddled together because it's cold outside, and we're always sticking one another. Amen? And, and the whole thing that the Bible tells us is love, not shove, love one another. In John 13, this is what Jesus said. A new command. I give to you. Look at your neighbor and say, command. Not a suggestion. Not a request. A command. A new command I give unto you. What is it? That you love one another as I have loved you. Wow. I've, I've said this for many, many years. The one unanswered prayer of Jesus in the Bible if you look at every prayer that he prayed, the one unanswered prayer is, Father, I pray that my, my people would be one as you and I are one. I pray that they'd be one. I know I think too much. But here's the deal. Every street corner, especially in the South. You've heard me say it many, many times. You can't sling a dead cat without hitting a church. There's one on every street corner. And to me, it always has been heartbreaking to me because it, all it means is we can't get along. You look back in the New Testament, as we're going to be going through the book of Acts, this is something that I'm going to bring out time and time again. Whenever these people would go to a, all these missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, Luke was along with them. Luke's the one that wrote the book of Acts. All these people that went out for the kingdom's cause. 
if there was not a church in the town, they, when they left, there was. And if there was a church there, they came in and edified them and built them up and tried to help them get things going in the right direction if they weren't. But it was the church at Corinth, the church at Laodicea, the church at Coloss, the church at Philippi. I mean, it wasn't like the first church of you know, <laughs> this denomination and that one. And, and we've got a various and sundry uh, uh, family tree, okay, with respect to every branch in it. But we are not one. Amen. And if you've ever been a part of, a, of, of one of those branches in that family tree that's so anti-body of Christ... I mean, I, I knew some people in my, in my past, I knew some people that they were one of many kinds of this one branch in this family tree, but they thought they were the only church in that branch even that was going to heaven. And they thought they were doing it right. I ran an ad in the paper one time. I'm running an ad in the paper up there. was much, much cheaper. So I would buy like half-page ads. And one time I was running a series of ads, and one of the things that I, uh, half-page ad, so picture it in the newspaper, half-page ad, big letters were the perfect church. Pictured the church service times and everything, and then in bold letters at the bottom for those who aren't. And this church, the specific one church that I was telling you about that didn't even think the other people in their belief system were going because they were the only ones doing it right. The, the, the preacher at that church came up to me and he said, well, we're not perfect either. <laughs> I was like, yes! I'd hit home with that, I had for sure. And I'm like, are you kidding? I mean, it, it, was, it, it, just, it just blows my mind how we are about things. And sometimes we get this mentality of, it's almost cultish. We're, we're right and everybody else is wrong. And, hey, if, if somebody has Jesus Christ and their, as their Lord and their Savior, if they have confessed their sins and asked him into their heart, guess what? They are my brother or my sister. Amen? And, and I, I know this is very ecumenical. And, and it's not from a standpoint of wavering on the gospel. But it is something that we, we find so many things to argue about and very few things to agree on. I have shared with you, I've shared it more on Wednesday nights than I have Sunday mornings. But I was a new believer. And there was a guy that worked in my department. He worked at different shifts. And he said... Oh, man, I'm glad to hear that you're a believer. And he said that he was, he was going to come to our shift for a, for a couple of months, had some family stuff going on, and he wanted to come work afternoons. I was working afternoons. And a lot of times, if nothing was broke, I worked maintenance. And if nothing was broke, then uh, the 1030 break really kind of got extended. Okay? So we would take a 10.30 break. We left at 11.30. So sometimes that break would like be, we'd be cleaning up our tools and all that kind of stuff. But at 10.30, we'd set out. So he came to my shift, and he said, I want us to do a Bible study together. I said, fantastic. 
And I told him up front, I said, there's going to be some things that we will disagree on because I knew what branch in that family tree he was in. And I said, but there's way too much out there for us to agree upon, for us to focus in and center on and talk about the stuff that we don't agree on. That lasted one night. The next night, this is how he started out. He said, uh, you all, and you know, you know it's going south whenever somebody starts out, you always, or you all always. He said, you all believe in divine healing, don't you? I said, yes, we do. And he said, you pray for the sick and anoint them with oil and all. Yes, we do. He said, well, anybody that knows anything, you know, some of you that come on Wednesday nights, you've heard me talk about this before. He said, anybody that knows anything knows that whenever the last apostle died, that the last person that the apostles laid hands on died, the age of miracles ceased. Oh, really? And now I'm a new believer. And thank God the Holy Spirit was my helper because I had an answer for everything he came up with. And I said, uh, can you give me book, chapter, and verse on that? Because this particular branch in our family tree is really, really big. Book, chapter, and verse. You can't just say something that the Bible says. They want to know book, chapter, and verse. So I said, well, do you have a book, chapter, and verse on that? And he said, well, no. But he said, anybody knows anything knows that that's the way it is. Well, I didn't get that memo. <laughs> and so I talked about what the, what the Scripture says and gave him book, chapter, and verse. And I said, so you all don't believe in, in divine healing at all? No. I said, so, and he was actually a minister in a church. And I said, so uh, on Sunday mornings, I said, you teach the adult Sunday school class in the sanctuary, don't you? Yep. And I said, then after Sunday school's over, I said, you, uh, somewhere in there, you sing a few hymns, right? Yep. And I said, uh, then you receive the contribution. And some of you, that gives it away right there, what branch I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, I said, then you receive the contribution. Yep. And I said, then you, uh, somewhere in there before you bring the lesson, that ought to give it away again, uh, before you bring the lesson, I said, you have prayer for those who are sick at home and in the hospital. He said, yep. Why? Because if you know God doesn't do miracles... You're wasting your breath and God's time asking him for something that you know he's not going to do. That's how the rest of that night went. Because he couldn't come up with an answer for that one. I'm just telling you, why do we look for the negative instead of agreeing on the positive? You've heard me say it a hundred times. I believe in baptism, baptism by immersion. That's why we have a baptistry here. I believe that it best represents the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ to the world. That's Baptism is an outward sign of an inward work. But it's about the heart. It's not about getting in there and, and getting dunked. If you walk into that baptistry center, you'll walk out a wet center whenever you come out. Amen? There's nothing about baptism that's going to save you. And some of, you, some of you that came from some of the branches in that family tree, you're probably going, <gasps> way down deep in your spirit right now. 
But there's nothing about baptism. It is a believer's baptism. That's, I think, what the Bible teaches is believer's baptism. But I don't just throw down every time I meet somebody that believes in, in infant baptism. I don't just throw down and go, hmm, whenever I see them. There's too much other that I can agree upon. If they believe, again, once again, if I meet somebody and they have given their heart, life, and soul over to Jesus Christ, ask for forgiveness of their sins, ask him to come in as their Lord and their Savior, I can agree with them. And I can love them. I've, I've told you before, I had a real, real good relationship with the priest that was in the town where we came from, I mean, Kentucky. There's, the guy that replaced him wouldn't even talk to me, wouldn't give me the time of day. Because I was a sinner and lost and going to hell. No ifs, ands, or buts. The other guy would have me come speak in his church sometimes. I, I, three or four times I've got to preach in a Catholic church. I told the Lord when I surrendered to preach, I said, Lord, if you give me the place, I'm going. Had a, when I was in denominational world in church, had the, the, the overseer, the bishop, call he said, what you been up to? This was early on in my, in my preaching, denominational, again. He called me and said, what you been up to? I said, well, I've got an opportunity to preach here and there. Ooh. He said, brother, we, we want to stick to our churches. Oh, really? And I didn't have a big fan club at the headquarters. I'll just tell you, they, were, they, they, they didn't have my picture on the wall and just smile at it whenever. I told him, I said, hey, I didn't surrender to preach it to this denomination i surrendered to the lord to preach and i told him whenever i did if he would open the door i'd run through it and i had preached every i preached in nursing homes i preached in prisons i've preached street corners you name it i've preached there whenever the lord would give me the opportunity and, and it just amazes me at how many things we can find to divide ourselves among ourselves Instead of loving. Because that's what it all comes down to. The command is love one another. That means, again, if anybody has Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior, we ought to love them. And we ought to love the people that don't know him. That's our, that's, that ought to be our motivation to go out and reach people for the kingdom. Why? Because they are people and they're going to hell unless they know Jesus. That's not a condemning thing. This, we're living in a strange day and time in this world that just because we think that somebody who hasn't given their heart and their life over to Jesus Christ that they're going to hell. They're thinking we're hating on them. This is such a mixed up world and they need a, this world needs a clear cut message and that is God loves them. That ought to be expressed in how we act. Belief and behavior ought to express the love of God in everything we do and so ultimately it comes down to this I mean <laughs> we are living in such a mixed up world did anybody see the headlines this last week and I don't I, I don't want to get into a political debate discussion but a, a former president's daughter spoke up this week and said to end abortion would be unchristian. And they printed it in every newspaper and every headline that I could find. <laughs> okay. 
Thanks, Merle. Chelsea Clinton. He's, he spoke it out. Chelsea Clinton said it would be unchristian to end abortion. I read a, a church leader's thing this last week, just, just in the last couple of days, that said that we should stop referring to God as he. Are you serious? I mean, there were so many scriptures that jumped to mind that I just it just, it just almost clouded my brain. Okay, he created Adam in his image. And then he took a rib from Adam and created woman. Again, that doesn't mean that, that it, the, the, viva la difference. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad everybody's not men. <laughs> I knew I'd get an amen from somebody. Wasn't expecting it to be Zach. <laughs> but here's the here's the deal. We're living in strange times. We're living in some troubling troubling times, some dangerous days, and it just the the only message that I think is going to permeate this society is one of love. I could have given a hundred point thesis on why that was wrong. To, to, we don't need to call God he. Really? I mean, I, I could have given a 100-point thesis, but the only thing that you could say, and this could go both ways, but God love them. <laughs> God bless their hearts. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, arguing's not going to change somebody's mind. I've seen these people, when they go out to witness that all they want to do is argue and condemn people, there's these people who go to these campuses, and all they want to do is they get up on their soapbox, and they're, they're calling them all kinds of names and, and, and telling them how condemned they are, and you're going to hell and all this kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you something. I think love makes all the difference. And I'll be honest with you. I can, I can go and tell somebody they're going to hell, and if they know I love them, they're going to receive it because I've had that conversation with people before. And I'm just telling you that we need, to, we need to quit finding critical ways of looking at one another. I think there's coming a day and a time, and I don't think it's going to be too long in happening, that Christians are going to have to band together. And if the church is ever going to be what it's supposed to be, we're going to have to love one another. And we're going to have to put aside the little petty differences, as, as you've heard me say before. I believe baptisms uh, by immersion is the way to go. But if somebody believes in sprinkling, if they have a heartfelt reason for doing it that way, we'll go out to the water fountain and we will take care of it. Amen? Because it's about the heart. If they want to be poured, I will get a cup of water and I will pour it over their heads if they've got a heartfelt reason for doing it. It's not about what I want. It's not about what you want. It's about what God wants. And here's the thing. Love is not an emotion. The kind of love, you've heard me talk about the different kinds of love before, and I'm not going to get into all that today. There's basically three kinds, though, just quickly. There's the friendship kind of love, a tender affection. I'm not going to get into it all the word study. <laughs> There's tender affection. There's eros, which is the sexual content. That's, that the word misuses that, I mean, the world misuses that one all the time. Going to make love. 
And don't get uncomfortable because I said that in church. Because, I mean, if you turned your TV on in the last 10 years, you've heard a lot worse than that. I'm going to make love. Then there's agape. And that's the kind of love that we're talking about here. It is the kind of love that you don't even have to meet somebody to love them. That you can know about them from halfway around the world and you care about whether they know Jesus or not. That you care about whether they're going to hell or going to heaven. It's the kind of love that Jesus, as he was hanging on that cross, he looked out across those people who he'd probably not until that day had ever met and they plucked his beard out And they put a thorn of crowns on his head, down to the bone. And he looked out on them, and he said, Father, would you forgive them? Because they ain't got a clue as to what they just did. We're never going to change our world unless we love people. It doesn't mean we have to like what they're doing. Tender affection, the friendship kind of love. That's whenever you look at somebody, oh, Come here, give me a hug. You don't have to like them to love them. There's people out here that are doing all manner of stuff today that we as born-again believers, when we tie our belief and our behavior together, that we wouldn't wouldn't want to do. But we need to love those people. We've got to make them.